Welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello, friend. I'm Marcy Farrell from ThankfulHomemaker.com, and I am so glad to be with you today. We are continuing on in our Sermon on the Mount series, and we find ourselves today in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20, and I've titled this one, A Tree and Its Fruit. I went back and forth between the title on this one. I wanted to title it, Warning Against False Teachers. I settled with A Tree and Its Fruit, but we are talking about Jesus' warning against false teachers. So this text, even it starts off with a warning to beware of false prophets. And we need to take heed because they are out there and they are dangerous. So if you're just joining us, we're nearing the end of this series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we've been in Matthew chapters 5 through 7 for a couple years now. We still have a, a, a couple more, not years, but episodes to go. But all the previous um, messages, they're up to listen to on the podcast. You can find them all at my blog. I'll link to that. If you listen to the podcast on Spotify, I've put them in a playlist that I'll link to, but they're on any one of your podcast catcher apps that you listen in on. And then one more quick note, just in case you're new here or you're not familiar with the blog site, but my blog just recently got a redo. I was trying to make it a little more user-friendly and to be able to find things, but my home on the web is thankfulhomemaker.com, and I have a lot of resources there for you to check out, like my top 10 book lists. There's various categories with different podcasts and posts on Christian living and marriage and motherhood and Bible study and so much more. But I also have a library of free um, printables there for your, your homemaking and your walk with the Lord. And the library has things with it like a quiet time journal to guide you in your Bible time. There's a weekly cleaning schedule, a menu planner. There's Um, because I'm recording this when summer's coming up. There's a summertime planning guide. There's so much more. So check out the free library. And it also gives you access to my free bi-monthly newsletters for the coffee chat and tea time that I really pack with the devotional and resources and articles and books and favorite finds and and so much more. So I'd love you to join our community. There's over 11,000 subscribers. Come join us. It's free. You can do that at thankfulhomemaker.com backslash free dash library. I'll link to that in the show notes too. So before we dig in to today's text, I want to remind us of our last time in the Sermon on the Mount series where God's word was clear that there's no neutrality with Jesus. You are either on the broad road to destruction or the narrow road to life. And what Jesus is warning us here in our text, and it has some strong words in it today too. I'm going to read the passage in a moment, but but he's making clear that even though We are on the narrow road, which I hope you are, my friend. It doesn't mean that we can just let our guard down. It's dangerous out there. There are false teachers desiring to lead you and me astray, and we need to learn how to recognize them. Someone said in regard to this text, if you're going to place poison on a shelf where you have healing medicines, you'd better label it clearly. So we want to be able to clearly identify these false teachers before they do us harm. Let me read our text today. So we're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. 
A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So we've all heard the term false prophet, but what I found interesting is in the Old Testament, the term false prophet isn't used, even though it clearly references false prophets and it gives us many descriptions. Jeremiah 14, 14 reads, And the Lord said to me, the prophets are prophesying lies in my name, and I did not send them, nor did I command them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. And Jeremiah 23, 16 tells us to tell the difference between someone like Jeremiah, who was a true prophet, and a false prophet. And note in this verse where the false prophet's information came from. So Jeremiah 23, 16 reads, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. Another note to be mindful of here, that the punishment for being a false prophet in the Old Testament was extremely severe, right? Deuteronomy 18.20 reads, But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. So in our text today, Jesus is warning his listeners in regard to false prophets. Sinclair Ferguson stated on this, he said, We have a tendency to associate prophecy with the foretelling of the future, but in fact, that was only a part and actually a less prominent part of the prophet's ministry. The basic task of the prophet was to foretell, not just foretell. God's word. He was to explain and apply God's truth to the lives of the people in his own day as well as speak about the future. Indeed, the reason he was to speak about the future was to influence the way that his hearers lived in the present. I really like that. Simply put, a prophet was one who spoke from God. A false prophet is one who falsifies God's word, either by openly contradicting it or more likely, as Jesus indicates, by twisting its meaning. Charles Swindoll shared a story in one of his books about when a friend of his ate dog food, okay? This friend was not starving, they weren't doing it on a dare, but they were at this elegant dinner party and the dog food was served on delicate little crackers with a wedge of imported cheese, bacon chips, and then an olive on top and it was topped by a sliver of pimento, what he referred to as ors hors d'oeuvres a la Alpo, I'm sorry. The hostess of this particular party had just graduated from a gourmet cooking school. And she was, I guess we could say, really putting her skills to the test. So she doctored up these little morsels, put them on a silver tray, and they were gobbled up. Okay, Charles Swindell, he's, he's telling this story to illustrate a point to us. And he goes on to share, he says, I'm referring to religious fakes, professional charlatans, frauds and counterfeit Christians who market their wares on shiny plates of deceit. They serve up delectable dishes camouflaged by logical sounding phrases, a glance at the silver platter and everything looks delicious. Apostles of Christ, angels of light, servants of righteousness. Through the genius of disguise, they not only look good, they feel good and they smell good. And he says, the media serves them under your nose. This is so true, friend, right back then and today. There's nothing new under the sun. Jesus is warning his listeners, and we would be wise not to miss his teaching on these, as Charles Swindoll called them, religious fakes. Verse 15 reads, 
And I am so sorry. I just am constantly clearing my throat these past few weeks, and I don't know if it's allergies, so I apologize for that ahead of time. If I wait till this goes away, I'll never record another podcast throughout the whole summer. So <laughs> I just thought you, you're going to have to be patient with me today, but thank you. So verse 15 reads of our chapter seven in Matthew, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. So we just talked in our last episode on the narrow way and the broad way. Well, and then what would keep us off the broad way or the broad road? Jesus tells us here. He tells us clearly to beware of the false prophets. Listening to them would direct us to the broad road. And we know that we battle as Christians the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we also need to do battle against these false prophets, those who come to us in sheep's clothing but are ravenous wolves. What a picture that is, right? One way we do this is to be diligent students of the word. My friend, I cannot remind us enough of this. For myself, even, our theology matters. This is so important. So many people fall into following false teachers because they don't know what God's word says. I cannot tell you enough to make sure you take the time to read and to study and to know God's word and to sit under good, solid biblical preaching and to make sure you're in a good, solid church. So the term beware here means to watch out, to be on guard, and it's in the present imperative. So it means for us to continually be on the lookout for false prophets. Someone said an error no wider than a hair will lead a hundred miles away from the goal. So just because someone is talking about things of the Lord doesn't mean they actually belong to God, and it doesn't mean that they are actually proclaiming God's truth. Your best defense against false teaching is sound doctrine. These false prophets or teachers, and, and for this episode, I'm just going to use those terms interchangeably, they're not just wrong, but they're dangerous because Jesus described them as ravenous wolves. Coming across a ravenous wolf in the middle of the woods alone without any kind of weapon would leave us in great danger for our lives. This is why when we come across these ravenous wolves distorting and twisting God's word, we need to come to them with the word of God, with the sword of truth. They're coming after our minds. And this is where the battle begins. This is where it's being fought. A physical ravenous wolf kills just the body. But these ravenous wolves, they kill not just the body, but the soul. Matthew 24, 11 tells us many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Matthew 24, 24 tells us, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders, so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. 2 Peter 2, 1 reads, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Some commentators stated that these false prophets, they, they, they wear sheep's clothing and that since they resemble sheep, they're more welcomed into the flock. But I also appreciated John MacArthur's interpretation of sheep's clothing on this. He stated, he said, similarly, shepherds invariably wore woolen clothing made from wool of the sheep they intended. That is the sheep's clothing of which Jesus here speaks. False prophets do not deceive the flock by impersonating sheep, but by impersonating the shepherd who wears sheep's clothing in the form of his wool garments. Just as the ancient false prophets often wore the garments of the true prophet, so false shepherds often disguise themselves as true shepherds. Satan's man goes under the guise of God's man, claiming to teach the truth in order to deceive 
mislead, and if possible, destroy God's people. Scripture speaks of three basic kinds of false teachers, heretics, apostates, and deceivers. Heretics are those who openly reject the word of God and teach that which is contrary to divine truth. Apostate teachers are those who once followed the true faith, but have turned away from it, rejected it, and are trying to lead others away. Those two kinds of false teachers at least have the virtue of a certain honesty. They do not claim to represent orthodox biblical Christianity. The false shepherd, the deceiver, on the other hand, gives the appearance of orthodoxy, frequently with great declarations and fanfare. He's not a liberal or a cultist, but one who speaks favorably of Christ, the cross, the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and so on, and who associates with true believers. He may go out of his way to appear orthodox, fundamental, and evangelical. From his looks, vocabulary, and associations, he gives considerable evidence of genuine belief. But he's not genuine. He's a fake and a deceiver. He has the speech of orthodoxy, but is living a lie. And I know that's a long quote, and I'm going to put that in the show notes if you want to look at that again. But D. Martin Lloyd-Jones stated, he said, the picture we need to have in our minds, therefore, should rather be this. The false prophet is a man who comes to us and who at first has the appearance of being everything that could be desired. He's nice and pleasing and pleasant. He appears to be thoroughly Christian and seems to say the right things. His teaching in general is quite all right, and he uses many terms that should be used and employed by a true Christian teacher. He talks about God. He seems to be saying everything that a Christian should say. He is obviously in sheep's clothing, and his way of living seems to correspond. So you do not suspect that there is, suspect that there is anything wrong at all. There's nothing that at once attracts your attention or arouses your suspicions. Nothing glaringly wrong. It's a little concerning, huh? How they can be so, we can be so tricked by them. Dietrich Bonhoeffer adds, there's something, there is someone standing by my side. I really like this quote of his. He said, there's someone standing by my side who looks just like a member of the church. He's a prophet and a preacher. He looks like a Christian. He talks and acts like one, but dark powers are mysteriously at work. It was those who sent him into our midst. He may even be unconscious himself of what he is doing. The devil can give him every encouragement and at the same time keeps him in the dark about his own motives, end quote there. So a few things that we need to be mindful of in seeing the dangers of these messengers. First, Jesus tells us they will come and they will not be preaching about the narrow gate, but about the broad way instead. The warning many commentators keep pointing out, and it's one we need to be aware of, is that these false prophets may not be saying anything untrue, but the problem comes from what they don't say. They won't say anything offensive, and their message will be comforting and not warn of the judgment to come. Their, their desire is to be well-spoken of, and they want everyone to like them. Jeremiah warns us in 6.14, they have healed the wound of my people, lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. And in Isaiah 30.10, he tells us they speak according to, quote, smooth things and, quote, prophesy illusions. R. Kent Hughes stated, there's nothing to make anyone uneasy, but rather only things that make people feel good, content, and falsely assured. They characterize anyone who preaches otherwise as negative. So these ravenous wolves they're left to invade the church and they would destroy all the sheep in the flock if they were allowed to run rampant. 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15 reads, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds." So friend, we need to be on guard. We need to know God's word and we need to be discerning. 
And we need to recognize these false prophets, right? And I'm going to read our verses 16 to 20 of Matthew 7 now. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. So in the remaining verses here, Jesus doesn't leave us to wonder about these false prophets lurking around every corner to deceive us, but he tells us how to recognize them. David Guzik, he comments on this. He says, there are many who would try to guide us along the broad path that leads to destruction. And how can we guard ourselves against them? He says, we guard ourselves against false prophets by taking heed of their fruits. This means paying attention to many aspects of their life and ministry. We should pay attention to the manner of living a teacher shows. Do they show righteousness, humility, and faithfulness in the way they live? We should pay attention to the content of their teaching. Is it true fruit from God's word, or is it man-centered, appealing to ears that want to be tickled? We should pay attention to the effect of their teaching. Are people growing in Jesus or merely being entertained and eventually falling away? This fruit is the inevitable result of who we are. Eventually, though it may take a time for the harvest to come, the good or bad fruit is evident, revealing what sort of, quote, tree we are. And what a tree really is, he continues, is revealed in its fruit. And he says, the word you see for recognize means exact or full knowledge of. And he says, a true teacher or preacher of God's word will be made clear by the fruit they bear. It will be clear in what they teach, their doctrine, and how they live, their moral life. So true character, it's eventually going to reveal itself. We know this, right? The, the fruit will eventually show the character of the tree. It's going to be clear if the fruit is rotten. It, it's said in Palestine that there's these buckthorn bushes, and, and they produce blackberries. And these blackberries, from a distance, they, they look like grapes. But then when you get really close up and you check them out and inspect them, it's revealed for what they really are. We need to do the same with the teachers in our lives. We need to examine their fruit and the source of their fruit. And we know from our time in the Sermon on the Mount that true teachers and preachers of God's word, they're going to call us to repent. Matthew 5, 3 told, tells us that blessed are the poor in spirit. They're going to clearly let us know that we are spiritually bankrupt, that we are totally depraved and are when if we're without Christ, right? And without Christ, we're on the broad road to hell. If they don't preach on things like the fallenness of man and total depravity and sin and hell, there's a problem. True teachers and preachers of God's word are not going to water down the reality of our condition without Christ. They're going to remind us, along with those themes, they're also going to remind us of God's great love and his mercy toward us too. A.W. Pink stated, he said, there's nothing in their preaching which searches the conscious and renders the empty professor uneasy, nothing which humbles and causes their hearers to mourn before God, but rather that which puffs up, makes them pleased with themselves, and to rest content in a false assurance." They're going to call us to live as salt and light in our Matthew 5, 13 to 16. They're going to make clear that it's fully by grace we have been saved and we cannot keep God's law on our own power. Matthew 5, 20 tells us, unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you're never going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the only way our righteousness can exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees is when it's working from the inside out. Changed hearts produce changed lives. And we can only do this by being born again, by repenting of our sins and putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. With the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts, we can be obedient to God's commands and live lives 
that are holy and pleasing to the Lord. True teachers of God's word will call us to live lives that are holy, and they're going to set an example to God's chosen people of what that looks like lived out. There's something here that's so important to be reminded of. We need other Christians to walk alongside us and to help us to do this. We are not in this battle alone. If you're in Christ, you're now part of God's family. And being part of a solid Bible preaching church is of utmost importance to keep you on that narrow road. If you're not in a church family, I'm going to encourage you to find one. I have a church finder on my site. I think if you hit the home tab, the menu tab, it links down and there's a church finder and it's going to take you to a great site. I'm going to encourage you to find one and participate in the life of the body and sit under good preaching and teaching. Our Kent Hughes stated, he said, false prophets encourage us to try to make ourselves Christians by adding something to our lives instead of becoming something new and their work, their work never quite rings true. He says, a wolf can wear sheep's clothing, but it cannot grow a sheep's coat. It is possible to put grapes on thorns and figs on thistles, but they cannot grow there. It is possible to subscribe to the qualities of the Beatitudes, and yet never truly own them from within. But appearances can only be kept up for so long. Time will reveal the true nature of the fruit. Sooner or later, we will know where a man stands. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my past, I have people in my life who I thought were really solid believers, and then they just walked away from everything they at one point believed to be true. So that just proved to me that they were not truly of the kingdom, right? And I'm going to get the verse wrong in First John where they, they walked, um, they were not of us, so they walked away from us. So they were never in the faith. It's kind of like the different um, soils. You know, they were not on, they were not planted in good soil. So, but we know, we know that as believers that we can fall and stumble, right? We we can fall off, but, but we're going to continue to get back up and we're going to continue to get back and stay on that narrow road. We're going to see an increase in fruit in our lives. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23 reminds us, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We're going to be growing in the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to thirst after righteousness. We're going to mourn over our sin. We're going to show mercy to others. And we're going to desire to be peacemakers. This is all true of those who are in Christ. John MacArthur, he gives us a really good summary of the false prophets. He says, false prophets talk much about the love of God, but nothing of his holiness, much about the people who are deprived, but nothing about those who are depraved, much about God's universal fatherhood of every human being, but nothing about his unique fatherhood, only of those who are his children through faith in his son, Jesus Christ, much about what God will give to us but nothing about obedience to him, much about health and happiness, but nothing about holiness and sacrifice. Their message is a message of gaps and the greatest gap of which leaves out the truth that saves. Jesus tells us right in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. So a true teacher of God's word, my friend, they know the way they're going to teach and preach the way and they're going to show the way in the life they live out. And I, I know this text is warning us <clears throat> to avoid false teachers. And I, I want us to ponder for us here, <clears throat> if the life that we're living out in our families, to our children, to those in our church family, before our husband, before our other family members, is it one that's teaching our neighbors? I could keep going here, right? Is it one that is teaching truth and desiring to live out that truth in our own lives? I, to even to examine ourselves, are we bearing spiritual fruit? Are, are we listening and taking in solid teaching, 
Or are we listening to false teachers, those that tickle our ears? When we come across a false teacher, we need to avoid them. And we need to lovingly warn others to do the same once we are aware of who they are, especially when we know that maybe somebody is listening to them or following them. Uh, Two ministries that I highly recommend are Justin Peters and Michelle Leslie. And I'm going to link to them in the show notes. But just briefly, I just want to share a little insight about their what their ministries focus on. So Justin, Justin Peters, um, and actually he's going to be at the G3 conference this year. Tons of great speakers there. I'm going to throw that out again. G3ministries.org. Use the code G3TH and you get 30% off your registration. I would love, love, love to see you there. But Justin Peters is one of the speakers that's going to be there. And his ministry It focuses on teaching the sufficiency of God's word and exposing false teachers, especially of the prosperity, health, and wealth gospel. And he just, he preaches a gospel deeply rooted in the sufficiency of scripture. And you can find him at justinpeters.org and all his resources there. And then Michelle Leslie is a good blog for you to bookmark as a Christian woman because she shares clear evidence on whether or not a specific teacher is a false teacher. So if you're looking for a place to check on a specific teacher or ministry, her blog is a great place to start. There are there are tons of false teachers out there, so she can't obviously cover everyone, but she covers many of the popular ones that we come across in evangelicalism. And I really appreciate her reminder. And this is really important, friend, that as you read her articles, you use them as teaching tools in the spirit of 2 Timothy 2, 24-26 to help others understand the sin and, and false doctrine being promoted. And then this is key here, keeping in mind that the people who follow them most likely simply don't know they're following false teachers. So love and grace, grace and truth, kindness, gentleness, um, just wise words, really being prayerful before you approach someone and you're dealing with this. Michelle Leslie is literally at michellelesley.com. And it's she's at M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-L-E-S-L-E-Y.com, and I'll link to her in the show notes. But as, as we continue on here, the future of a false teacher is that they'll be cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus uses the words here, quote, every tree. So there's no exceptions. Jesus has hard words, as Charles, um, Charles Swindle said earlier, for the religious fakes of his day. Um, in Matthew 23, 23, he says, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Well, they won't escape hell. Their future, if they don't repent and turn to Jesus, is eternal damnation in hell. Susan Heck stated on verse 19, she said, these are serious words. Do you love those who are false teachers enough to warn them? Do you pray for them? So friend, think through who are the false teachers in our day and are you able to discern who they are do you avoid them and warn others who you know are following them do you do you do it in a way and in the spirit of second timothy chapter 2 verses 24 to 26 which reads um, must not be quarrelsome but kind to everyone able to teach patiently enduring evil correcting his opponents with gentleness god may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will So growing fruit, it takes time and patience, and we need to be able to examine it closely. This isn't isn't a go-ahead here today to just go and start calling everyone a false teacher who you don't agree with, or they don't line up with your personal preferences. Jesus isn't giving us the go-ahead here to be suspicious of everyone and go around what people like to call heresy hunting. But it is a reminder to us that there are false teachers out there, and we must be on guard, and we must use good discernment. We must know and love the truth of God's word. I cannot state this enough. Truth matters. 
theology matters. Sound doctrine is important, right? This warning to beware of false teachers, it's given to all of us. This isn't to just your pastor or your elders. They are there to protect the flock and watch over it. Yes, and that is key. And that's why I tell you it's so important to be in a solid biblical teaching and preaching church. But we all must heed its warning. J.C. Ryle shared a quote that summed up really well on how to examine a teacher's credentials by examining his character and message. And I, I do want to state again that this is not just the preacher's standard, but it must be ours too, my friend. We find ourselves in teaching roles, right? With our, our children, alongside other women in the church, where, wherever you're ministering to others. When you're speaking, your life is theology. Your life is your theology lived out. So this is, this is key. So J.C. Ryle, he said, um, he said, sound doctrine and holy living are the marks of true prophets. So I want to close today with a quote from um, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He said, finally, we must remember that whatever we may think of these things and however wrongly we may judge and however much we may be deceived by false prophets, God is the judge and God is never deceived. He quotes here, every tree therefore which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He says, God have mercy upon us. May he awaken us to these vital principles and enable us to exercise this discrimination with regard to ourselves and with regard to all others who may be a danger to our souls and who are grievously misrepresenting the cause of our blessed Lord in this sinful and needy world. Let us concentrate upon being certain that we have the divine nature, that we are partakers of it, that the tree is good, because if the tree is good, the fruit also must of necessity be good and quote there my friend jesus truly is enough always i am so so grateful for your time today and as always the full show notes with any links quotes all those things mentioned will be at the blog at thankfulhomemaker.com and if you're looking for a summer book club read i would love you to join us in our patreon group along with my patreon supporters i'd love you to support the blog it's another way to keep everything free here which um, I'm super grateful for my supporters there, but we're going to read together The Holiness of God by R.C. Sprawl. You can find out all the details on it and how to join us at patreon.com backslash thankfulhomemaker. I'll put that in the show notes too. And I also, I don't know if you're aware, but I also have a shop with lovely gear to remind yourself and others that you are a thankful homemaker. And some of my things say Jesus is enough always. So from t-shirts to sweatshirts to coffee mugs and tote bags, there's there's just something there for yourself or another special homemaker friend in your life. And I'll link to that homemaker gear in the show notes. You can also find it under the resources tab at the main menu on my blog too. And it's just another way to support what goes on here at Thankful Homemaker. I'm so grateful for you listening. That's a way to support me. Sharing the podcast is a way to support leaving or rating or review wherever you listen. And I'm just so grateful for you, my friend. You are a sweet blessing. And I pray that you have a very blessed week. 